This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hi, I'm Hanif Baharudin and you're listening to Night School, the show that explores ideas and themes in the social sciences and the humanities. This week, together with my co-host Simon Soon, we're going to be talking to the folks behind Svara, a Malay language periodical on culture that's currently making waves in the local publishing scene. We're joined by the three main people behind it, Chief Editor Hafiz Hamza, Content Editor Badrul Hisham Ismail and Nazir Harif Fazila, who's in charge of marketing and digital. Enjoy the conversation. Hi, Hafiz Hamza, Editor. Nazir Haris Fazila, part of the team. Hi, I'm Badr Hisham, also part of the team. Great. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, guys. And first of all, congratulations. Uh, this is such a great, great initiative. Why did you guys decide at this point in time to sort of start a journal on literature in the Malay language? And, uh, you know, what, what kind of inspirations are you sort of like drawing from in order to sort of get this journal going? I think we have a different point of departure each of us um, but the culmination is in this journal uh, i think i have an intention to have some sort of publication a periodical kind of publication but at that moment it's not feasible because we consider periodical it requires a lot of work and requires multiple people to pull it through so then i, I started the bookshop and other publication first and then meet up with these guys because we have been having this kind of discussion for quite a while. I think me with Hafiz before we started this kind of journey. Even Hafiz also has his own experience of trying to make a journal. Yeah. So maybe you can, you guys can share a bit of your background first and what made you want to start uh, Suara. Let's start with you, Hafiz. Yeah. Okay. Untuk saya dari 2012, kalau yang ikut saya dah buat satu label, publishing house, small publishing house, independent, Obscura Malaysia. And with that publication house pun kita ada dua title yang like. For me, yang buka jalan kepada suara lah, which we, masa itu I call just uh, general obscura lah. We have hanya tahan dua isu, tapi masa itu kita just uh, cuba nak bawa idea dan nak materialisekan benda ni lah. Just try and error kind of things. But untuk obscura, mostly I buat one-man show, bekerja dengan uh, a group of small people lah, apa yang designer sebagainya lah. So, sangat small group. Jadi, kenapa suara? Sebab along... The way dan dari awal pun sebenarnya saya rasa personal punya uh, pandangan sebab saya rasa agak tak boleh dan agak memalukan sebenarnya sampai ke tahun 2020 kita cakap ni kita tak ada satu penerbitan yang mampu disustain dengan baik contohnya untuk saya angle uh, selalunya minat tu ke arah seni budaya lah so itu yang kita rasa ralat dan kita rasa kita rasa sedih lah kenapa kenapa kita kita dalam era yang dah jauh kan dulu kecil-kecil bayangkan 2020 ni something yang dah advance tapi benda basic macam ni sebagai satu lingkungan kebudayaan tak ada bukan tak pernah ada tak banyak ada cuma tak macam tak konsisten dan arah tuju yang berbeza so saya rasa nak tak nak bila orang tak boleh buat dan orang tak nak buat yang nak buat ni ramai kita kita, kita masuk saya sendiri nak buat ni dah bertahun-tahun dah tapi yalah Tak macam mana tahun ni kita rasa kita kena duduk dan kita kena paksa diri untuk put our effort and energy and see how we can materialize this lah. So this is the first issue lah. Uh, but though, mungkin you can share your your contribution to the publication? Hmm. Uh, well, I I don't have any experience with editorial or uh, even writing that much before this. But I've always been interested in stories. Uh, I've, I've been doing films before and then I work as a researcher. Uh, but then I started to hang out with Nazi, and then slowly just chat about 
articles, chat about literary scene, chat about all this kind of stuff. And then I started to hang out with other writers. And I actually had one attempt of one small zine uh, called Rambang with another friend of ours, Zahid, uh, which we thought they were going to do it more, but we only managed to do it once. Um, but then after that, Nazis, you know, said that he had this plan with Hafiz, which at that time we don't really know each other yet, um, about this idea about having a more sort of consistent journal, uh, the themes and the stories and what are the uh, content that we want to have and all that. And then I, from that discussion, it just, you know, snowballed into what we have now. So, I mean, I can imagine it's not like we don't actually have a history of sort of a very actually vibrant history of sort of Malay uh, language sort of publication, right? Especially in the cultural and literary sphere. You know, you go back to the 1930s, that was really the beginning of sort of like, <coughs> you know, the uh, publishing industry in the Malay language. But beyond that, you know, even up to today, DBP continues to publish Dewan Bas, Bas, Bayan Sastra, and a few of the sort of like imprints under the Dewan sort of title, right? Uh, are those publications no longer sort of like relevant to maybe your generation? What is your sense of, are you speaking to them in some ways by sort of creating this uh, this new platform? Saya tengok dia macam ni. Betul lah untuk DBP buat apa tu, kita fikir itu sepatutnya dia buat lah maksudnya benda-benda yang dia dah buat. Kita tak nak comment on that But for us Kenapa sebarah Sebab kita rasa Macam mana nak bawa Bahan bacaan misalnya Tak kisah, tak kisahlah bercetak Atau uh, web ke apa Tapi dalam gaya yang Lebih segar uh, Gaya ni bukan Maksud saya satu Tumpuannya terhadap bahasa Semestinya lah Itu yang, itu yang untuk saya Call lah Tapi kedua juga Cara penyampaian Esay cerita tu sendiri So kenapa biasa Kalau bahasa Melayu je Orang akan beranggapan Macam Orang ada satu image atau satu standard yang macam diterima Macam inilah Kalau ni maksudnya kena level ni je Tak boleh go beyond So kita nak cuba dobrak benda tu Kita nak cuba langgar dan cuba buka jalan lain Sebab saya rasa potensi Kalau konteks bahasa Melayu sangat luas Sangat banyak So kenapa hanya bahasa Melayu digunakan contohnya Sangat kreatif Misalnya dalam kelompok budak-budak WeChat tapi tak boleh nak dibawa dalam konteks uh, penulisan yang lebih. Kan saya tak suka guna word serious apa semata. Sebab ini ini sepatutnya jadi benda yang biasa. Yang suara buat ini sepatutnya jadi satu benda yang biasa, satu tingkat yang sepatutnya kita dah ada lah. Bukannya something yang kita rasa wah ini ini lain. Tak, ha, tak tak ada. Ini sepatutnya biasa. Sebab uh, range ataupun Sifat bahasa Melayu tu saya rasa sangat meluas lah. Range itu sangat menarik Orang biasa senarendah boleh pakai Tapi bila nak dibawa untuk benda-benda yang sedikit uh, Ilmiah mungkin Separa ilmiah pun sebenarnya ada kapasiti tu So saya tak Jadi untuk saya lah secara pribadi Antara benda yang kita nampak dengan suara ni Dan yang kita cuba capai Cuba kita bentuk dari awal uh, Sangat jelas adalah benda ni lah hmm. Yeah, um, what Simon say is true Because we have history of interesting publication throughout I think the past 100 years and we as a group and as a team we are conscious of that and we take a lot of inspiration from the previous publication uh, before we started Swara we sort of like look at other old publication like Tenggara Dewan Masyarakat um, Masrika during the 40s um, because this kind of publication It's interesting because they have this kind of vibrancy in the sense of language. Content-wise, it's kind of tight. And it's not as what we knew publication Malay today. Um, some, I'm not saying that it's not always good, but it's not at a level of it previously 
has been maybe during 60s, 70s, it's kind of peak there, and then it started to go downhill, maybe 90s or something. But what, what we're trying to do is trying to take that spirit and trying to move it forward. It's a matter of like continuing the line of this kind of uh, publication endeavor. Well, just want to add, I guess, both of them uh, said a lot already. But uh, when it comes to print publication, there's a lot also uh, importance in how it looks, the quality of the material themselves. And I think for the past, I don't know, years, all these uh, existing publications, for some reason, are not really looking into the quality of the publication itself, the paper that they use, the design, the color palette, and all, all those very things that would entice you to actually go and buy these things and then read the content. And that's also what we try to bring in with our own publication as well. Not to just have good content, but to present it in ways that uh, respectful to the content itself. But uh, I'm very interested by what you just said. Uh, and someone coming from film, you, you must be sort of in some ways be aware that one of the reasons why sort of like print publication sort of like went into decline is because it faced so many challenges from all these other new mediums, right? Mm -hmm. Film, radio, television, mm -hmm. and now sort of like the internet and stuff like that. So why at this day and age choose to sort of like, why did you guys return to you know, the print publication as that sort of like, you know, ideal format to convey, you know, deeper ideas and uh, deeper way of sort of like thinking about our current society? Well, in my opinion, it's not the ideal content, okay. but it is one content that has its own value. Just like the same way how people still buy vinyls rather than just downloading MP3s. It doesn't necessarily mean that vinyl is better, but it has a different, it serves different satisfaction. You don't just listen to the music, you also have the physical product with you and with all the qualities that the physical product brings. And the same thing with print publication, which means you cannot just focus on the content anymore. It's really about how you're printing it, uh, what are the photographs that you use, the kind of paper that you use. Because in the end, it's something that not only people want to read, but people want to keep it in their house as well. I think it's a matter of like taking back this kind of activities to a much more slower pace because we have this kind of like the new media which is quite fast paced and you see a lot of like half cooked writing a lot of like this kind of new information which we can't really cope out I think the way we try to do in this publication especially print is like trying to bring that kind of breather in the sense of how you write the way you write how is the editorial process how the selection of things have to be considered in a much more slower pace and then even all of the writing we have around, I think the minimum is 1,200 words. So it's more than that. So it kind of gives people a room to read much more longer pieces instead of like 800 words or 500 words in basically in web kind of publication. So I guess that is one of the stuff that we are consciously moving to print. That's an interesting approach, I think, because uh, to a certain extent you are targeting a certain niche, but at the same time you still have to one way or another compete with you know people who are still focused on their websites their own uh, online publications online journals that are i guess churning out content more frequently right uh, so um how, how do you plan to actually compete with that are you planning to just deal directly with your niche or are you still aware of having to compete with these publications i think it's not a matter of competition it's a matter of like like badro says serving a different purpose because social media, web-based publication, it has a different purpose. So we, we are not competing that. We, we are consciously trying to do in a different turf, in a way. So, and it gives us room to do a lot of stuff, which we 
can't do in 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 web based uh, media so lah untuk saya Sebetulnya sepanjang kita berbincang pun Sebab kita untuk suara punya editorial ni Hampir tiap-tiap minggu kita akan sit down dan brainstorm semua Dan seingat saya Sepanjang kita berjumpa dalam 5-6 bulan ni Untuk buat yang isu pertama, isu berikutnya tu Kita tak pernah concern sangat pun Sama ada nak apa risau tentang nak compete dengan ini Nak bersaing dengan itu, tak Sebab saya rasa kita masuk satu ruang yang dulunya meriah Print, magazine, jurnal semua Tiba-tiba sampai satu tahap dia void, dia kosong. So sekarang kita nak, basically kita tak create apa-apa. Kita just nak masuk balik ruang tu, nak bawa balik semangat yang sama dengan penerbitan-penerbitan lama ataupun tradisi penerbitan yang pernah ada dulu sebab kita. Jadi nak tawarkan balik benda yang pernah ada tapi at some point dia dah hilang mungkin. So kepada yang pembaca sekarang ni dan itu yang kita cuba buat dan nampak gayanya agak, tak tahu saya rasa from inside yang kita buat ni rasa fulfilling lah so kita harap bila kita sendiri rasa macam tu dan orang bila pegang baca pun dapat rasa benda yang sama that that same vibe man. vibrant macam tu lebih daripada tu kita tak terlampau risau lah kalau, kalau saya lah saya beribadi kita tak pernah nak fikir sangat pun nak kena itu sebab kalau nak, you nak kata nak compete dengan web yang Facebook katakan yang every second ada benda yang something came up it's just tak pernah, kita tak pernah kisah pun <laughs> Jadi isu timeliness tu tak adalah Tak adalah fikirkan macam Oh we need to tackle, we need to address this particular issue secepat mungkin uh, Not in that sense Tapi kita do have uh, Kita punya bearing lah Maksudnya dalam setiap isu tu Kita nak bawa kalau boleh Ada benda-benda atau tulisan yang sedikit menyentuh Tentang hal-hal yang lingkungan masa terdekat tu Yes kita nak buat hmm. That was Hafiz Hamzah, Chief Editor of Suara. He's joined by Nazir Harif Azila and Badrul Hisham Ismail. And we've been talking about the Malay language periodical Suara on Night School with me, Hanif Baharudin and Simon Soon. We're going for a short break. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're tuned in to Night School with me, Hanif Baharudin. I'm joined by Simon Soon and our guests, Hafiz Hamza, Nazir Harif Azila and Badrul Hisham Ismail. They're the team behind Suara, a Malay periodical journal that has just released its first issue a couple of months ago. Actually, I mean, I cannot help but keep sort of like thinking and comparing what you guys are doing with sort of like 1930s sort of like Malay publication, right? Uh, just because, you know, you share so many similar features. Uh, on the one hand, it's, it's also sort of like, you know, produced in a sporadic manner. That means it's not a daily paper. It's a week. Back then, it was always weekly, right? Uh, it comes out every week. But at the same time, it also tends to focus on feature writing. That's very actually little news. And it's more sort of like opinion platforms for people to add their views and sort of like exchange thoughts and the last one was uh, one thing I thought you guys said is actually the small, the small circulation sort of like size as well it, those back then I think you know a print would, uh, an issue would run for about 150 copies and that would be sort of like enough to sort of like sustain the publication so it's very interesting that there are all these sort of like parallels is that why you also chose the tabloid yeah. format I mean, this is not the easiest sort of like format to actually read something, right? Uh, so what kind of experience, what kind of reading experience does it actually sort of, you know, uh, bring to the viewer when you sort of choose to sort of publish in this format? And are you in some ways then trying, in reviving the spirit, are you also reviving the same kind of like content or are you saying that this format can allow for us to then engage with current social issues in a different manner? That's the thing. In even format point, we we have been discussing how it would be presented for quite a while. I think we argued upon which is the most better format to to convey swara lah. 
because I think Hanif touched about niche. One of the things that we decided is like, we are not supposed to be niche. We are supposed to be read all over Malaysia. Well, our intention is not to be niche. Our intention, this kind of thing, is supposed to be read in school, in university, in people on the roads, those kind of stuff. The, the format has to be because cost-wise, because now it's harder to print like a normal magazine size, um, which has much more pages, and also the material will be much more expensive. So this one is the least expensive format. This is actually cheaper. This is actually cheaper. Then if you say like, like format like monocle format, it's quite expensive because you require much more pages in one writing. And also it's supposed to convey that kind of like tabloidy even style. So it kind of invite a lot of people to read it, but in a much more beautiful design lah, hopefully. So untuk saya simple ya. Saya dah lama berangan, bertahun-tahun dulu, kita dapat baca contohnya kalau size ni kalau you tengok memang bukan pun baru you ada New York Review of Books you ada London Review of Books dan untuk regional paling dekat kita ada Macon Review sama balik pada yang benda saya cakap kat awal tadi kenapa Malaysia tak ada orang boleh buat benda ni to me as simple as that I just start macam tu je sebab I tak rasa benda ni terlampau kompleks I tak rasa terlampau rumit maksudnya boleh buat cuma kita bukan nak jadi seperti dia orang lah dia orang dengan uh, heritage yang lama kan contoh dia review books dah lama so saya just tak faham kenapa kita di Malaysia ni tak ada cukup kesungguhan tak ada cukup kemahuan untuk duduk dan cuba buat kan kenapa saya just saya just tak faham tu so, saya kena buat lah <laughs> so, saya tak ada pilihan lain jadi macam itulah uh, for me it's just aesthetically pleasing this way i mean again going back to the, what we've been talking about is not just the writing, also the visual. So if you have photos in here, you would want to have a nice size where you can actually ever pull it out and save it and cut it out or put it on a wall, put it on the scrapbook or something. It's not just, I mean, to, it's to basically allow people to have that kind of freedom to do whatever they want with the piece, with the journal as well. It's very interesting you sort of like brought that up. So I was sort of like reading on Malay traditional uh, manuscripts and how it's being kept in the past, right? Basically, you know, what they sort of like uh, used to do is that you would have a lida, which is the main sort of like cover. And inside, the leaves are organized according to this uh, system called kuras or something like that, which will allow you to also sort of like disassemble them very easily and they will be in, you know, in specific sort of like numbering, there'll be specific number to one kuras and basically what it encourages you to do is to sort of like, you know, uh, share one portion with, you know, one person, another portion with another person and then also collect all of them back together and sort of assemble them and put them together in, in your leader. I guess I'm sort of like curious, uh, you have use, I guess, London Review of Books as a sort of like main reference. Given that this is in the Malay language, are you also open or interested in exploring other sort of like formats that came out from book culture from this part of the world? Um, one, of leaves. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that we are really struck by, I guess, in terms of quality is the Tenggara. I think the magazine Tenggara is published by University of Malaya during, I think, late 60s, early 70s, uh, that period because it it has been sustained for 20, 25 years at the Tengah until, I'm not sure up until now, not. But that is one of the things that struck me. It's like, okay, this kind of publication exists with this quality of production. So why it's not here anymore? Why um, it stopped there? And also, there were masyarakat during the 60s, in the 60s um, and, and 70s, early 70s. We, we have this kind of stuff. But... For my generation, we don't have the luxury or the opportunity to know this kind of publication. 
because it stopped maybe around 90s so what we are accustomed is mastika the new mastika the the hantu mastika the all the, the this mastika that we know now today but the people from 40s 50s generation the mastika they know is different the mastika they know is informative it's it's much more weight in the sense of writing so we have this kind of like mixture of stuff and i guess it also for me personally we have to do this because we are being bombarded by a lot of like half truth fake stuff in the sense of writing so i guess it happened because there is a void uh, it's it's just about that there is a void of this kind of writing in the market so now whenever people try to write some sort of half truth or whatever ridiculous writing it is it's being considered as a writing that has its own truth which i think is ridiculous so the other way to do it is to, to, to try to do this kind of stuff rather than just talk about it well this will go back to what you're saying um but before that one of the things that a lot of people say when they first get this is that why don't we staple it right <laughs> uh and this go back to the idea if if you if we do that then <laughs> we limit what we can do with it, um, whether you want to pull up one piece of paper and all that and for us the first i would say the first year i don't know whether we're sharing any secrets here or not but i guess the first year is we are also experimenting with our own publication and this format allow us to experiment it more we might have you know photos inside that you want to pull out you want to have posters you want to put inside you want to can take it separately so with this format and not stapling it and uh with this size it gives us more room to do more than just what we've done for the first issue so there's one thing i want to sort of like ask actually i know that three of you are the big brains behind this but at the same time what is your network that you are able to sort of like build in order to make this sustainable i see that as a marathon and that also means it requires the contribution of a lot of uh, hopefully thinking people in malaysia they might not just be academics but also people who sort of like are able to tell compelling stories in different ways right how are you building up this sort of like network and are you finding that this pool is large enough to keep sort of like sora alive for many years to come Yeah. <laughs> untuk content especially eh, saya rasa macam nilah betul like what you say betul maksudnya tiga kami ni yang core ahli lah yang yang ambil tanggungjawab untuk menggerakkan but dalam maksud membangunkan content sebenarnya bukan hanya kami bertiga suara is beyond the three of us kita ada like kalau aesthetically you nak cakap yang ni orang yang bertanggungjawab bawa uh, dengan rupa yang visual yang you ada ni Shafiq Halim this is which my uh, long punya kawan dari Obscura dulu dia buat dan sekarang pun dia sanggup untuk tolong lagi content wise kita juga ada orang-orang yang agak senior dalam media ada Nur Azam Syairi yang tolong kita juga ada Wan Hamidi so basically yang nak cakap ni lah each issues kalau kita nak tengok yang first ni hampir semua yang terlibat tu kita bukannya direction tu bukan dari the three of us Of course we do have some rough idea kerangka awal ya tapi kita nak sit down sebab kita juga nak tengok possibilities lain dari sudut pandang orang lain sebab kalau misalnya in between kita tiga pun nak beza saya mungkin ada satu angle yang kita shock betul tapi orang lain tengok lain so now kita nak break that one kita nak cuba encapsulate seberapa 
banyak sudut pandang yang menarik ataupun angle yang menarik untuk jadikan satu piece tu solid. So itu yang kita buat even dari uh, isu pertama ni. So dalam bahasa mudahnya saya nak bagi tahu ialah suara ni it's beyond the three of us lah. It's more like kita apa kerjasama dengan ramai orang especially those writer sebab kalau tak ada orang yang sanggup tulis uh, memang susahlah kita 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 macam eh ai bukan ada bayangan cerita apa nak angle mana nak tapi kalau ada, tak ada orang yang sanggup to take that uh, tanggungjawab tu buat tu satu perkara kan jadi ini semua collaboration yang saya rasa dan saya personally pun nak nak tunjuk dan nak bawa dengan suara ni lah maksudnya editorial punya disiplin editorial punya gerak kerja like You writer, you tak semestinya hantar satu piece terus settle. It is not the case with suara. None of it, I think. So, uh, hampir semua kita ada discussion, email discussion. Mostly kita ajak jumpa lah sebab kita nak faham juga apa yang writer ni fikir, apa yang apa yang solid, apa yang tak. So it's a two-way kind of relationship. Dalam maksud saya berharap makin lama orang makin faham bahawa inilah proses editorial sebenarnya macam ni sebab you yang you baca ni bukannya yang first dihantar ini maybe the draft of the fourth or fifth draft of yang kita dah bolak balik uh, edit semua tu so saya ini yang saya nak terutamanya orang yang penulis yang saya nak penulis faham lah which sangat penting kita bukannya hidup dalam satu kekun kita seorang je kan no even relation with your editors relation with the publication semua tu sangat penting dan while doing this kita memang acknowledge benda tu that that whole process somehow dalam penerbitan terutama yang terselalu terlibat dalam bahasa Melayu bahasa Malaysia ni sangat kurang lah kita boleh nampak so itu yang kita nak cuba dari semasa ke semasa tu tu betulkan lah tu salah satu sudut pandang dia lah on a more economic level do you guys pay your writers? yes we, yes, we do Pictures, ah, uh, yeah, pictures, and also writer. Semua yang terlibat, designer, semua kita kita ada bayar. Yeah. Um, speaking of sustainability, uh, what about sustainability in terms of um, trying to make sure that Suara will be here for years to come? Uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, that's that's the ambition, right? That's the aim, kan? Mm-hmm. Jadi, um, how are you planning to make sure that this won't be just a flash in the pan? Like, macam, how can you be sure, and how can you make sure that it will be sustainable for the foreseeable future beyond just For example, two, three years. Sebab kita tengok ada banyak publication out there who, for example, carry the same kind of spirit. But at the end of the day, dia orang pun sort of like terkandas juga kan. So, so how do you make sure that people will still be interested in this kind of publication? And even Mastika, you mentioned Mastika earlier, right? Mastika at one point terpaksa jadi lebih pragmatic from being informative. They know that at one point the demand out there is slightly different. At least the people then wanted something a bit more, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, sensational, and maybe maybe also so, and they also try to be pragmatic and change their editorial stance, right? So, macam how how are you planning to make sure Suara can first be sustainable in the long run and also uh, retain its 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 essential core format too? Kalau cara saya pandang, pertama sekali kita kena bergerak dan kena ukur baju dekat badan sendiri. Ah, maksudnya at least this first few years kita tak boleh terlampau apa mewah. You have to really imbangkan the course-wise eh, dengan direction yang kita nak bawa ni at least for the few years lah. First, crucial 2-3 tahun awal kan. Dan keduanya saya nampak tak ada cara lain is the content. Angle, sudut pandang terhadap kandungan. You tak boleh abaikan benda tu. Dan itu yang kita nak buat pun dari dari awal. So saya rasa itu berdasarkan uh, feedback atau maklumat last yang isu pertama ni itu kita agak lega lah maksudnya. Ada penerimaan terhadap benda-benda macam ni Walaupun ada juga sisi-sisi lain Orang yang even sebelum kita keluar pun Orang dah cakap ini takkan boleh tahan lama Orang dah tak beli print So to me I memang 
tak terlampau terganggu dengan benda tu sebab pertama sekali kita tak buat dalam skala yang untuk start dan skala yang besar-besar terus gila punya skala kita kena like I said kena, kena faham the whole things lah so basically kena kerja keras sikit dari bawah slow-slow untuk kembangkan dia dan kemungkinan selepas itu kita kena tengok bila sampai waktunya lah tapi harapnya kalaupun tak boleh terlampau optimis nak membuka terlampau luas tapi at least dengan kapasiti yang kita ada sekarang ni dengan arah tuju yang saya harap sangat jelas dari awal itu sangat-sangat banyak membantu dan kita juga kalau konteks kandungan ataupun appearance kalau first issue macam ini yang kedua nanti orang kalau anda harap ada jadi macam ni kita kita selalu nak main macam lah kita tak nak kita tak nak bagi apa yang orang nak ataupun orang rasa orang nak kita nak cuba je boleh jadi boleh menjadi menjadi boleh jadi tidak so itu risiko yang kita kena ambil tapi kita seronok sebenarnya buat benda macam tu so i think at least at this point kita kena konsisten lah dan teruskan cari bahan teruskan uh, perbincangan dengan potential writer yang ada sebab kita memang brainstorm every week I mean not really every week lah all the time kita just tanya apa kemungkinan story yang ada siapa yang kita boleh assign untuk benda ni so kita constantly do that and I hope dengan momentum yang ada tu kita boleh terus lah um, and I think um, Hafiz touched uh, one important point lah I think personally uh, you can never be sure this thing would be sustainable lah <laughs> but I guess it's a matter of how the publication industry works. I think now it's a matter of overproduction. At the, at the end of the day, even now we have this kind of issue of environmental issue, those kind of like sustainable issue. I think it's more pragmatic to not do this kind of uh, activities in overproduction. So you have to scale it as what people buys. So that's the thing. Um, this thing is not editorial based. So we are not inclined towards like printing this because there is an advert uh, money in it. It's because people buy the product, the content. So it's, we tie down the content to the readers directly without the advertising interest. Although there is an advertising here, but it's not our concern. So they don't dictate what we write. They don't dictate the content. For us, it's a matter of like getting good content out there. And if it's only 100 person buys it, then we print 100. If 1,000 buy, we print 1,000. So we don't have that issue. I guess it goes back to what Hafiz said, uh, the content. And I think for all three of us, that's the real main reason why we do this in the first place. And that's what really the fun part, uh, looking for stories, finding out those stories and finding out who can write it and then looking at the product of the story itself, how it's being presented and all that. So as long as we are really focusing on that and as long as for that, for us, that aspect is... Satisfied? I think there are a lot of people out there who would want to. Uh, I mean, when I say a lot, we don't need 10,000. And if you get 10,000, of course, it's good. <laughs> But as long as it's enough to sustain, as long as it's enough to not make us bankrupt, for us, it's fine. <laughs> um, of course, um, when it comes to a publication like Suara, there will always be a group that will find it interesting and will probably read and buy it right um, that's not <laughs> generalized but let's assume that it is the, the intellectual crowd lah yang probably will probably want to buy Sora right but you also mentioned earlier uh, about wanting to make it more accessible to everyone and not just uh, to urbanites and to the intellectual group right so what are your plans to to make it more accessible to everyone in Malaysia and not just you know people in KL for example uh, you know like truly make it accessible for everyone 
regardless of you know class demography and regardless of their background. Yeah. I think from from the data that we have, we always not that much. Um, it fulfills all sort of people because when we look at who buys it on, through online, it's not just the upper middle class. It's all classes buy it, um, but it's still mainly Selangor and KL. I think that one is more towards like distribution part because that is one of the issues that we are trying to, to grapple with, how to distribute Suara to as many hands as possible. So that one is another part of the business, which is we're trying to figure it out. So I guess in a matter of readership, we have all kind of people read it and that is the intention for Svara. So although it looks good, it doesn't mean that only people with money can buy it and read it. That's the thing. My contention is like, why when, when thing is mass, it has to look bad, not good. When it looks good, it's kind of like, oh, it's, this one is for the rich people to buy. And we were trying to break that. We were trying to get that this kind of thing, it has the look and it is readily accessible in the sense of reading materials because we have a lot of like um, some of the feedback that we have most of them enjoy it even when you say um, from people from non-intellectual background non-academic background or even um, who are not accustomed to this kind of uh, reading material as long as they can read Bahasa Melayu they enjoy it so yeah tak untuk saya lebih memuaskan kalau Maksudnya orang dah tak rasa segan untuk beli dan baca konten dalam bahasa Melayu. Orang dah bukan lagi, maksudnya kalau orang publish dalam bahasa Melayu ni, selalu orang refer macam second grade punya barang. So kita tak nak benda tu lah. Sebab kita rasa benda tu sangat mengada-ngada dan boring lah. Poyo gila kan. Itu pun sebenarnya tak boleh salahkan orang yang membaca. Sebab kadang yang mengeluarkan yang publish pun memang tak bagi perhatian langsung pun pasal benda-benda ni kan. Jadi itu yang saya sejak peribadi nampak dan kita cuba untuk imbangkan dalam suaranya lah sebab dia jadi menarik tau contohnya kalau orang-orang yang decide untuk beli dan baca tu dia jadi apa yang dia orang akan dapat sebagai pembaca sebagai ni so saya tak nak limitkan tak nak hadkan itu sebagai oh kita nak cater kepada pembaca Melayu saja tak dan dengan suara ni agak melegakan walaupun tak ramai tapi dalam kita punya encounters yang beberapa banyak kali ni yang India tak segan nak beli ni Orang Cina pun rasa nak beli, baca So itu yang kita nak Sebab kita nak jadikan ini sebagai satu benda Satu platform yang mempertemukan ramai orang Dia bukan lagi sangat tertumpu atau tersudut Untuk yang cakap bahasa Melayu saja Yang pergi sekolah Melayu saja No lah Sebab no I think this is I think macam bayangan kita Ataupun cara kita nak bawa yang bahasa Melayu ni Ini merangkum banyak benda dalam hidup kita dekat Malaysia ni kan So tak perlu rasa ada jurang Tak perlu rasa ada segar-segan Tak perlu ada rasa macam Nak mencemuh bahasa Melayu So saya rasa tak Itu yang kita nak cuba bawa I mean that kind of spirit is interesting Because that to me Is more closely aligned to the way Indonesians think of like Bahasa Indonesia like On different levels as a as a bahasa perantaraan that allows for different communities and different sort of like constituencies to actually sort of communicate with each other. Um, actually, then extending on that, I guess what I got from you know our discussion so far is there's a lot of emphasis on form and a lot of emphasis on you know how you sort of like uh, think about form as a vehicle to sort of like communicate interesting sort of like ideas, right? Extending on this, I want to sort of like ask what make, what ask you guys, in your opinion, what makes a compelling story? 
you know, what are the ingredients that should be there in order to sort of like convey something meaningful so that, you know, readers today, no matter what sort of like class background they sort of like come from, would be able to sort of read the text and feel something and learn something or gain a meaningful experience out of uh, his or her engagement with the text? Uh, okay. <clears throat> well, it's a difficult question to answer. I guess... You can also talk from examples. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess for me, the basic rule of a good story would be conflict and tension. And a lot of the stories that we get, there's always some kind of conflict, either internal or external, or some kind of tension of the story of the of the place. I mean, look at Faisal's um, writing about Dangdut Klanta, for example. The conflict between the form of Dangdut and the form of religion that the state in Klantan has and how those two diff very different uh, worldview collide. And to be able to tell that kind of story, the first thing you have to know as a, as a writer or as a storyteller is you just have to be honest with it. What You have to find the conflict and you have to recognize there's this tension in it. And you can't enforce it. At the same time, you cannot put it aside. If there's a problem, you have to tell it in the story, which is why... I think there's a lot of problem in a lot of writers that we encounter is that there's some, for some reason, they, they want to shy away from the conflict. They don't want to mention this name, for example. They don't want to mention about this topic, for example. It's too sensitive. It's too touchy. But those are what make good stories. And not to be controversial, but how can you sustain people's attention if you don't have something that people can actually go back to, right? And normally conflict or tension in the story is what, is what brings that attention in. I think localized. I think local story. I think there is in Malaysia there is a lot of like stories that has not been written. You hear it in hearsay. You hear it in mama. You hear it in uh, all these kind of um, oral kind of ways. But in terms of writing, most of our stories are either outside stories or from the lenses of outside people, but not from the people that live in that area or maybe um, have experienced that kind of it in first hand. Because we want to encourage one of the ethos that we're trying to bring is that we want the people from that particular area or from that particular places to tell their own stories. We want a lot more stories outside of urban areas, KL, Selangor. We want stories from Papa, Taiping, Bacho, those kind of stories that is Malaysian, but it's not been well put or being written elsewhere in the media. Untuk saya, I think dalam konteks ni saya mungkin nak tengok dari sudut bagaimana nak dapatkan tulisan atau nak hasilkan tulisan tu dalam bahasa ataupun ah, dalam tulisan yang jelas lah. Maksudnya kadang-kadang setengah orang tulis tapi susah nak faham lah apa benda dia tuliskan. Sebab kita tak tahu ini inikah yang dipanggil sastra ataupun bila orang tak faham. So... Untuk saya simple je Dalam suara Dia kena jelas Naratif dia apa Tak kisah berkecamuk Macam mana kamu nak susun Terpulang Tapi kita bila kita tengok Kita tahu Oh ini ada jalan cerita dia Mungkin bukan secara apa, Lurus sebagainya ha, Tapi itu bukan isu Dan keduanya Kena ada kejelasan Dalam penulisan tu Sebab Takkanlah satu tulisan tu Contohnya Japan ke apa Kamu nak tulis tentang metafora saja so, so ini Untuk saya Saya tak faham dalam benda tu Sebab nak faham ni Mudah je Bahasa, penulisan Ini konteks kita berbicara tentang komunikasi Kalau kamu menulis Menyampaikan tapi orang tak faham so, Untuk saya kalau sebagai penulis Saya sendiri menulis Saya kena tanya diri saya dululah 
kenapa orang tak faham ni salah faham tak ada masalah sebab kita punya latar kita punya background pemahaman lain-lain tapi kalau orang terus tak faham contoh bila kita baca yang orang hantar uh, sample kita memang eh, ini ini apa sebenarnya hmm. cerita kan so but having said that kita tak tolak terus kita cuba juga untuk try lagi untuk perhalusi tengok macam mana apa sebenarnya dia nak buat ni sebenarnya dengan benda ni so saya rasa kejelasan itu penting lah sebab kita kena faham juga orang yang membaca ni nanti tak semua minat sastra contohnya kan bahasa berbunga-bunga ni tak semua mungkin akan ada terselit-selit yes tapi not as a whole tak boleh so kena ada konkret bahasa yang jelas yang fluid yang mengalir yang mengikat imajinasi ataupun bawa orang dalam pemahaman yang tersendiri lah untuk, untuk, untuk dilihat saya rasa itu sangat penting itu yang kena, kena bagi perhatian tambah sikit it's also apa it has to tell something about us So that, I think that's the main core of what we want to find out. What the stories that we pick, it's not just something that is irrelevant to us, and it's hopefully something that bring to light things that we never realized before. Who is this us? If uh, if I can so sort of like boldly, uh, um, given that uh, all three of you are male, uh, I'm, I'm sort of asking this to sort of get us to think uh, very interestingly, uh, creatively about this question, right? And uh, you probably come from the same sort of class background. You're all edu- sort of like educated. How do you cultivate a platform that might include uh, the views of other gender, other sexuality, other religion, other ethnic groups, other types of uh, you know uh, members that make up you know this body that we imagine to be Malaysia? Does that take a lot of empathy on your part? Is that also a learning process for you? What are your thoughts on this? Well, we make it a point to actually broaden the network of contributors that we have. Of course, we haven't reach to a point where we are totally uh, representative uh, but we do make a point and the kind of people that we engage with to give content to contribute content for the first issue and for the next two three issues that we've already engaged with we break it outside from our own uh, definitely from our own gender and definitely from from our own race hmm untuk saya ya dia macam ni ya untuk saya sebagai maksudnya kalau nak dicakapkan prinsip pasal suara ni saya rasa kita agak terbuka sebenarnya asalkan yang menulis kontennya tu dibincangkan membawa perbincangan dengan matang bukan fitnah bukan minta perhatian yang tak perlu so saya rasa itu judgement yang kita kena bawa tapi dalam maksud kalau you, maksud you tanya untuk terbuka kepada semua yes yeah. cuma even dalam isu pertama pun kalau kita tengok penulis perempuan maksudnya sangat sikit itu masih lagi berlarutan bila kita nak buat yang kedua ketiga masih lagi ada limitation terhadap tu saya tak tahu kenapa tapi bukan maksud kita tak approach writer itu satu hal lah gender wise kedua uh, race memang naturally yang menulis bahasa Melayu ni majoritinya akan orang Melayu tapi itu pun bukanlah bermaksud kita nak bagi perhatian kepada itu saja contohnya dalam isu yang kita tengah buat kedua ketiga ni ada yang non Malay pun dah tulis tapi dalam bahasa Melayu lah so kita sentiasa terbuka dan kita nak cari terus menerus mencari talent-talent ni lah sebab ini juga penting juga sebab kita nak tahu juga dalam konteks pemikiran dalam konteks dia punya pengalaman walaupun yang mengikat kita ni bahasa Melayu bahasa Malaysia itu jelas tapi pengalaman yang beza-beza itu yang juga kita nak kita berhasrat nak tampilkanlah cuma kalau nak tengokkan dari isu pertama kalau nak dijudge kat situ saya rasa tak adalah sebab baru itu baru satu je yang ada kan jadi saya rasa untuk going forward ya yeah, kita sangat terbuka asalkan bukan fitnah bukan mempelecehkan orang bukan apa mengada-ngada saya rasa okey tak ada isu masalah tak ada apa-apa masalah 
So we've uh, run out of time here, um, but uh, for my last question, I really want to get a sense of what can we expect in the future issues of SWARA. Besides sort of like comparing SWARA to, uh, you know, the state-sponsored kind of like journals, on the other sort of like extreme, you also have, you know, Amir Muhammad and Fixie, which started, you know, entire sort of like pulp movement where there's a very sort of like liberal use of sort of like the Malay language, but in its ability to sort of like explore many, many, many playful kind of like registers, right? I know that Swarad probably also doesn't sit in that spectrum. So, and it's trying to sort of like carve out a space for itself in the middle. But how do you sort of like think of uh, yourself in relation to these other sort of much more playful way in which the Malay language is being used? And are there rooms to accommodate that kind of writing or that form of expression in your interest in trying to sort of like, you know, diversify uh, the gaya penulisan uh, in our Malay language. In our next issue, we will have contributors from East Malaysia, from Sabah. And once it comes out, you will see a very different way of using the language, which when, when we first read it ourselves, we were like, this is different, this is really interesting. And, and we don't try to make it easily palatable for Semenanjung or whatever. We just kept it the way it's been written and retain the voice. Exactly. And this is one way for us to show the diversity of the language itself. Mm-hmm. What to expect? So I think, okay, tak sebut dari awal tadi. For people to look at Swara, simple je. Kita memang bagi perhatian sebenarnya pada long form kind of essay, article. So itu, I rasa itu itu je dah jadi satu yang buatkan kita sedikit berbeza sama kadang language playful tu saya rasa tak perlu sebab fiksi dah ada so kita biarkan dia main di padang tu kita cubalah cari sudut-sudut lain yang lebih selesa kita untuk explore dan apa teruskan apa yang kita nak buat lah cuma dari sudut uh, sustainability tadi kalau boleh saya nak sebut sikit uh, kita at this point dan kita tak nampak that in near future pun kita akan kekal macam ni kita operate independently semua sendiri jadi itu sangat-sangat penting kalau saya pada saya untuk orang sambut dan membeli suara ni dalam maksud untuk macam mana membolehkan benda ni terus bergerak lah saya rasa sebab saya rasa ini penting sebab kita buat sesuatu untuk kelompok society dan kita harap benda tu boleh berkembang, tumbuh jadi benda-benda yang lain yang lebih bagus. Contohnya, kita berharap juga nanti akan ada banyak lagi penerbitan bukan suara ni je sampai bila-bila kan maksudnya, daripada sini, kalau orang tengok mungkin ada benda yang kekurangan yang dia nampak oh, you buatlah satu lagi benda baru so kita harapkan benda macam tu dalam konteks pembaca pula, kita nak kalau boleh kalau dia baca tu, ada tiap-tiap kali dia baca tu, ada benda je yang dia belajar dia bukan like, layan dia punya steam kepala je tak, dia something ada yang, ada ah dan, dan Ketiga, saya nak minta yang dah baca Salah satu lagi hasrat kita Yang setakat ni masih belum dapat tercapai Kita nak ada engagement dari pembaca Ini, ini, ini bukan one way Bukan editorial suara bercakap dengan crowd tak You tak bersetu sebab dari belakang-belakang eh, Disampaikan kepada kita Ramai orang punya banyak pandangan tentang suara Ini yang pertama ni Tapi bila kita minta tulis So that benda tu direkod dan diterbitkan juga Kita willing untuk terbitkan Walaupun itu uh, libatkan self apa uh, kritik terhadap kita sendiri kita sanggup kita kita nak tengok supaya benda ni perbincangan ni terakam dalam pages uh, suara dan lebih ramai yang boleh ikut dan mungkin boleh rujuk in, in future nanti boleh rujuk so kita nak basically pembaca 
penulis juga so benda ni berkaitlah semuanya kalau kalau hanya satu segment section dia yang berfungsi penulis penerbit dia berfungsi tapi uh, pembaca tidak so dia jadi macam one way uh, hubungan yang sangat boring lah tu saya penting ada maklum balas penting ada kritik semula so kita pun nak belajar kita pun nak tahu apa benda orang nak 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 baca kat luar kan jadi itu sangat penting this two way of kind of apa relationship ni itu masih kita belum dapat lagi kita harap going forward kita akan dapat banyak feedback yang bertulis semestinya so that kita boleh sama-sama berkembang dan solidifikan benda ni lah You just heard from Hafiz Hamza, chief editor of Swara, a Malay language periodical that has just entered the local print publishing scene. He's joined by team members Badrul Hisham Ismail and Nazir Harif Fazila. Share your thoughts with us by tweeting us at BFM Radio or you can send us an email to nightschool at bfm.my. Don't forget to also download the BFM app which you can find on the Apple App Store and Google Play. I'm Hanif Baharudin, together with my co-host Simon Soon, you've been listening to Night School on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.